This week's episode of Buffy Virgin is brought to you by DennisComics.com. Dennis is a cartoonist who appears on almost every episode of Buffy Virgin. He raves about monsters and recommends great horror movies that no one else has ever heard of. His two short comics in the Halloween issue Double Think that came out last year. Dennis's original graphic novel, Amelia, which is really the thing I should mention first. It's very Lovecraft meets David Cronenberg, and I know other people have said that, but it's a wonderful, dark, and interesting read. Pinup Art by Dennis St. John is also featured in issue 5 of Rich Tommaso's She-Wolf, uh, a super interesting read. She-Wolf is beautiful, artsy, and strange. If, when you're listening to Buffy Virgin, if any of Dennis's recommendations uh, for other films and stuff resonate with you at all, then you would absolutely love his comics. Dennis has a really well-developed horror sensibility that comes across in his comics. If you like horror stuff at all, you'd really enjoy his stuff. So get your horror comics fixed at DennisComics.com. That's Dennis with one N, D-E-N-I-S, and comics with an X because it's cool, C-O-M-I-X. In every generation, there is a virgin. He alone will watch the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness for the first time at least once a week. I am a Buffy virgin. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin. On the podcast today is me, Michael the Virgin. I'm still a virgin, even though I've seen season up to season two, episode 16, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. On the podcast today is Dennis St. John, a horror comics cartoonist and the sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. It's always great to visit the show that I sponsor. <laughs> thanks for visiting. And uh, Mary, a Buffy enthusiast who's been on the show a few episodes ago, in fact. Hi, guys. Always so, excited uh, to have Mary on the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Uh, last time it was the three of us. We got in trouble the next episode for uh, our talking or mostly me talking shit about the people who aren't here. So I will uh, try to curtail my talking shit about my very good friends who I love. I, I don't think you need to curtail it. This is when you let it out and then we'll hear about it later if it's a big deal. Uh, but we'll see what All happens. Right. Uh, we'll see what happens with the energy in the room with, uh, without our other regular guests. But this is a good group. We had, it was fun, uh, our last recording. So uh, Yeah, I had a good time. So we start all these episodes with a summary. We'll do that, and then we'll get into the weird noticings, trivia, questions, themes, deep stuff, predictions, Dennis's kill count recommendations, all the normal things we do on this amazing podcast. Don't forget uh, Buffy Speak. All right, Buffy Speak. All right, so let's do the summary first. We'll play that, and then we'll get right into Buffy Speak. It's almost Valentine's Day, and Xander is talking with Buffy about the right gift to give to Cordelia. If only dating was as simple as slaying. Meanwhile, Cordelia is attempting to coordinate her outfit for the dance and gets attacked by her friends for wearing what Xander wants. Xander, meanwhile, barely getting a D, when he sees Amy, the class witch, using magic to trick the English teacher into believing that she did do her homework. Giles and Jenny update, they're no longer friends, and Giles tells her to move on. Instead of planning for Valentine's Day, Giles is warning Buffy in the library about Angel's tendency to create brutal displays. Of affection? Spike gives Drusilla a gift, but Angel has a better gift, a human heart. And at the bronze, Dingo's Ate My Baby is playing. Cordelia gets dissed by her friend and dumps Xander in retaliation. At the same time, Joyce and Buffy are watching TV with tons of snacks. When someone, probably Angel, leaves a dozen roses for Buffy with an ominous note that says, Soon. Unhappy with being dumped, Xander threatens to reveal the truth about Amy's magic. Unhappy with being dumped, Xander threatens to reveal the truth about Amy's magic if she doesn't use it to cast a love spell to make Cordelia love him again. And with a little bit of Cordelia's hair, Amy casts a spell, and Diana is invoked. Giles is reading up on Angel's behavior on past Valentine's Days, and then strangely, Buffy invites Xander to hang out, and promises to help him get over Cordelia by taking him to bed. Xander wants Buffy, but not like this, not because of magic. He wants to win her with his charm. But not this time. Xander runs home to find Willow in his bed, and she's wearing Xander's clothes. Xander can't talk her out of lust, and she goes in for a bite. So Xander runs back to school to get help from Giles. But as soon as he enters the school, every girl loses her mind. It seems like Jenny might get things right with Giles. But then Xander enters, and Jenny doesn't care about making up with Giles anymore. Giles explains to Xander that all these women that are obsessed with him wouldn't mind killing him if that's what it takes to make sure no one else can have him. 
Buffy shows up and fights Amy for Xander, and then Amy casts a spell, turning Buffy into a rat. Oz shows up just in time to punch Xander in the face, and then help Xander find Buffy the rat. In the meantime, Xander rescues Cordelia, while Giles, Jenny, and Amy work together to break the spell. Xander and Cordelia try and hide out at Buffy's, but Joyce is into Xander too! Angel attacks Xander, which feels like a big mistake when you consider the army that's been building, but then Drusilla shows up to protect Xander, but also to love him. And then all the ladies show up to grab Xander. Cordelia and Xander run, they hide in the basement, and somehow just in time Giles gets Amy to reverse the spell, turning Buffy back into a real girl, and the army of Xander lovers retreat. In the end, Xander and Cordelia get back together, and promise to never stop fighting. The end. Wow, what a funny summary. That was great. <laughs> you did such a great job, Michael. Oh, Thank you, really yeah. appreciate it. So Buffy oh, speaks- Xander. <laughs> oh, indeed. So what were uh, some of the great lines, some of the Buffy speak from this episode? Um, I liked uh, Angel- Angela saying, um, I found it in a quaint little shop girl. Super creepy, talking about the heart. Um, that was totally mine, Dennis. You stole it. All right, go for the next one. And you know what? I never noticed it before. And I've seen this episode a million times, but I watched it with subtitles. And I was like, oh, Uh, he didn't say quaint little shop. He said shop girl. And then I was like, (laughs) Were you picturing that Sunnydale does have like shops that sell hearts? It's a weird place. It wouldn't surprise me. This is Valentine's Day. Um, I also really liked, uh, what's the line? We have to find the Buffy rat. Just because it's said so casually. And it's like, this is just the world they live in. Where they're like, we've immediately named it Buffy Rat. Um. And I, my favorite line was uh, when Buffy transforms and uh, Oz, you know, is kind of like about to try to capture her. But then, you know, of course, things change very quickly. And she says, I seem to be having a slight case of nudity here. And for a reason, yeah. that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I like that I'm they... I'm sure we'll have lots to say about the naked Buffy this episode, right? Um, maybe. I don't I know, know if I, I have do. that much. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a thing about it that would maybe fit into themes or deeper stuff or something. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you can uh, remember to bring it up then, that'd be great. So let's get into the weird noticings and trivia for this episode. Uh, I noticed right at the bat, lots of people with skateboards, way more than I remember <laughs> casually bringing to school. But maybe sk- I think skateboards were kind of a bad thing. Uh, in high school and this is southern california home of the skateboard um i noticed in the first uh scene with the in the mausoleum in the cemetery um the the mausoleum they're hanging out by says alpert and uh i just noticed that because that's the name of my old therapist sweet all right and if you're playing dennis bingo uh (laughs) you get a point (laughs) or buffy virgin bingo buffy virgin bingo yeah you'll get a dennis point right now Um, I found also that I really. First, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Also, in the first scene, just it's it's always a little bit weird the way Xander can kind of almost casually bring up that he has a crush on Buffy. Like they don't say it directly, but it's just I don't know a lot of relationships that are like that where you can just be like the only other girl I like. Uh. Yeah, she kind of gives him the dead eye too. That's awkward. She just like looks at him like. Yeah, not the right place, not the right time. I've got a question about that first scene. The uh, do they always know where to hang out? Because it's like, do they do they pay attention to who they believe has died under vampire duress? Because it was right there. They're like chilling. They're talking about relationships, and she's just totally ready for that guy to come out of the ground. And sometimes they're just hanging out in the cemetery. But this particular time, it's like they knew he was going to be right there. Yeah, I don't have an answer. Do you feel like uh, there's some research there, some library stuff that goes on that we don't know about, the boring stuff? Yeah. Where they're like, oh, yeah, you should go to that fresh grave. Or maybe she just goes to all the fresh graves. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like it's pretty easy to for Giles to just look through the paper and be like, this one says mysterious neck wounds. Yeah. You should visit it. Uh, <laughs> I could see him doing that just like casual on a Sunday morning, like going through all the obits. Yeah, with his morning coffee or morning yeah. tea. Strong yeah. English tea. Did you know yeah. my daughter collects obituaries? Uh, no. Yeah. Where Have does I she collect them, that? and which ones? She oh, she's got. She definitely has some that she prefers. She likes. Um, 
She likes deaths of people with the same name. She loves young person deaths. And I mean this in the sense that she finds them very interesting. She's not like, woo, but if there's a very young picture, she likes it. And she also likes the ones where it says exactly how they died. She really hates it when they don't say how they died. So does she want you to take her to like the wake or like the funeral or she just wants to read about how they died? Oh no, she just likes to read about how they died and really good ones go in the, uh, in the drawer, the obit drawer. Wow. Yeah. Now, I know how old is your daughter? She's 10. She's been doing this for like four years though. <laughs> I know she's a writer. Is she, yeah. Does she incorporate their, does she have a lot of grisly deaths in her writings? She does have a lot of grisly deaths in her writings. Did you see that screenshot I took? She only let me take a screenshot of one of her, she's writing a horror story. And the line was like, and this, Holly, is the worst memory you will ever have. And then she wouldn't let me read any more of it. But it sounded really bad. Oh, she also likes people that die on holidays. Those those get circled and cut out. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, this are, on an offshoot. <laughs> these are super interesting patterns. I just I could TC Giles doing this. Maybe Ramona's a watcher. Yeah, maybe she's got a calling. She might. She might. She's got a little Giles in her for sure. <laughs> Should we have Ramona on the podcast and ask her about some of her writings slash yeah. her obit collection? Does she like yeah. to talk about it? I don't think she minds talking about it. She's pretty open about it. All right. She's open enough about it that the other day she was at a slumber party and uh, the the dad, he knew that she, he's heard me joke about that she reads the obits. So he just handed them to her in the morning. He was like, you want the obits? And she was like, thanks. And she got really excited about um, being in Montana for two weeks because she got to read the Montana obituaries. I'm, I imagine there's less obits there, right? Well, no, not necessarily. This is a good question, Dennis. Um, We cover the whole state. I mean, I don't know in Ah. Portland, often it's just Portland deaths, but in Montana, it's like, oh, no, it's like Glasgow gets a mention, all of those crazy places on the east. They were good obits. And people in Montana do die of weird things like animal attacks and a lot more gunshots. (laughs) Rifle injuries. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. Sorry, Michael. Oh, no, this is super I'm interesting. I'm back on track. <laughs> I, no, listen, yeah, you've got a reputation. Okay. No, that's not, that's, that's I, don't, I was pretty impressed you asked me back because I felt like <laughs> my tinkle rant was going to get me kicked <laughs> to the curb on the Buffy podcast. So I no, really, liked, I really liked uh, Dingo's Ate My Baby. That was the music that's Oz's band. I feel like if they have an album, I'm interested. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think that singers. I don't think that's really the singer's voice. That actor who plays the the lead singer. Oh no, it did feel like they just piped in generic yeah. '90s elevator music, but it was is all right. Yeah, I think uh, John calls Dingo's Ain't My Baby the ultimate Buffy band, right? They are the ultimate Buffy band for sure. Uh, and then another thing I noticed, uh, there's an ins- like a married with children level snack snackage on the Buffy Joyce uh, TV viewing party. Like they just oh, yeah. so many snacks. Yeah, on. they were not like, messing around. I'm so jealous of their TV party. I don't feel like my mom and I ever did that. Like we yeah. watch TV, but we just like on accident, not like a planned thing. Like you know where we watch TV and eat a bunch of junk food. <laughs> what do you think? Um... What do you think Joyce thought was going on in that scene, like with the flowers and with Buffy being home during the Valentine's dance and stuff? You think we don't really get a lot of what her POV is in that scene? She doesn't ask a lot of questions. Yeah, Yeah. she doesn't. She really doesn't ask a lot of questions of her daughter. Yeah. Um, I guess, I don't know. Sometimes it's tricky. I think if you have a teenager, like a particularly one who's already burnt down a high school, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, the history that we know of Buffy is that she has been complicated. If, like, Buffy wants to stay home and watch movies and eat junk food with you, you're just like, yeah, cool. I'm not gonna make this a thing. Let's just (laughs) hang out. Right. Anything to keep her from doing terrible Buffy things again. 
anything that, that seems normal. I think she goes for normal with Buffy. Yeah. Also, yeah. Dozen Roses is a pretty intense high school gift. I mean, with a note that says soon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, considering Xander's gift is like a little, little like pewter locket. It looks like <laughs> kind yeah. of. Yeah. You know what would have been better? That, that's it, a classic if, gift. Instead of it being a heart, if it was a clotter ring, that would have been like. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even more heartache. Oh, um, I, I really. So oh, there's. There's also that line right before that where she's like, you look good. And he's like, I let Buffy dress me, uh, which is kind of a funny line. But also then you notice he's kind of dressed like Angel in that scene. Like, he totally was dressed like Angel. He was definitely Buffy going for is that. Definitely like, uh, if I'm going to dress you, you're going to look like Angel. You're going to have like your shirt unbuttoned, like you're going to have the black coat. Um, more observations here. I feel like it's funny to see Xander hit on people and then be concerned when they react positively when that whole transition happens. Like, that's that's super great comedy. Oh, okay, are we already done that? Oh, I'm, I'm moving yeah. on pretty fast, sorry. Uh, I can't, <laughs> act, that's act one, hey. Um, okay, I wanted to talk about the magic they used. They called the power of Diana, goddess of the hunt, uh, who's a Roman goddess. Mike, you might know I'm, info I'm, about her. I'm, I'm, you were correct. Uh, but the weird thing is she's not the goddess of love. They call her as the goddess of love, but she's the goddess of the hunt and a bunch of other stuff. But like uh, Aphrodite or Venus would be the goddess of love, right? That but is correct. they weren't correct. exactly falling in love. They were falling into obsession. Maybe that's so why maybe the, the whole thing got fucked up because uh, she called on the wrong goddess. Yeah, definitely my, my uh, Greek Roman sensibilities were tingling when that, you know, when they called Diana. So you're yeah. right on. I mean, yeah, Aphrodite, Eros, Pan, you know, somebody else. Yeah. Do you think that was a mistake or very purposeful? I don't know, because it turns on, you know, the the witch too. Like Amy, she still kind of falls for Xander also. Like she gets caught in the trap. So I think she's just a young witch that doesn't know. I she mean, seems really powerful, though. But she does. She is like I'm self-taught, right? There's that like I'm self-taught line. <laughs> no like, lessons, thanks. She could. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see, Amy, the self-taught, which another great fan fiction <laughs> to follow. That could be a really great comic book. I mean, she's so easy witch. to like get to like. Xander's just like I don't tell people you're a witch, and she's like, and okay, Xander's never fucked up. I mean. Fun. Yeah, Xander's being obviously manipulative, like more manipulative than his usual level of intelligence would let him have. Because like the blackmail doesn't even make much sense. I mean, Amy has no way of knowing this, but Xander has already told Buffy and Willow, like, uh, I don't know. It's just like he he gets so upset with Cordelia that he actually gets smarter. (laughs) (laughs) That's possible. Yeah, I mean, he, it is like, yeah, she's pu- he's kind of punishing her a little bit for her cheating by using her magic to get out of, like, writing a paper or something. She's kind of dumb, right? Like, if you have to... Yeah, I... <laughs> it's a couple of dummies. Xander and... <laughs> Just a couple of dummies. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Cordelia had a line about um, the locket being, like, um, a Walmart-looking Walmart thing. And I just wanted to, I know a cartoonist who used to work the jewelry counter at Walmart. So that was like, <laughs> a little moment there. That was a funny, like, I don't, did she say Walmart? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Like, you don't even imagine Sunnydale having that. It just seems like one of those places that has just like one main street with like the cool shops and like the. And just a bunch of alleys. Yeah. Like, could you imagine one. all the vampires, like, going to Walmart at 11 p.m. and just kind of picking up their velour clothing for the night? Well, we have no, like, Sunnydale operates so bizarrely. Like, it's got a major museum and a, uh, a zoo and an airport, and it's got the docks. A military base. <laughs> it's got yeah. a big military base. It's got the warehouse and, and like, factory part But it only has one high school. <laughs> yeah, and it's only 30,000 people or something, right? Yeah, so. I, w- I mean, I don't want to... I'm not going to predict that there's going to be a scene at a Walmart. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, that might be a good prediction. There's no scenes at a Walmart. That's a really good <laughs> one. Let's I'll write that one later. down. That's a good one. But <laughs> it doesn't seem like they have a Walmart. They're, like, too good for that. 
Yeah, they don't even seem to have like one of those uh, gas station uh, quick shops, you know, where you get your slushy. <laughs> They've got to have one of those. It feels to me like the world of clerks and the world of Sunnydale could combine in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. They feel It'd like be... they fit. And maybe it's because it's the right era, like it's all 90s. It would definitely be Jay and Son and Bob that yeah. would make that transition, merge yeah. those two properties. I'd be super into that mashup. A lot of fan fiction excitement so far. This is great. <laughs> Are we ready to move on to Act Two for musings? Yes. Or uh, so uh, I said, it's funny to see Vander hit on people. Um, I noticed, of course, you're we're finally get to see Xander's room with a little more detail. Yes, yes. Uh, I wrote down all the decorations I could notice. Yeah, nice. like all these X Men comics, cars, just like hot yeah, there's cars. cars, bugs, uh, Roy Lichtenstein poster. I didn't know if it was real X-Men or if it was like some sort of off-brand Jim Lee looking poster. Um, I couldn't quite figure it out. I, was, I actually paused to try to, but you know, it's too low res to really figure it out. And like a widespread panic poster. Um. Oh, good eye. I didn't see the widespread panic. I just saw the big X-Men and the, yeah, I guess the Liechtenstein style thing. It's kind of like a yeah. uh, little boy taste. Uh, little boy sensibility a little bit. Yeah, and certainly with the, tiny the car and the... It's really funny because I didn't notice anything in his room. The first thing I thought is like, oh, I think he's one of those weird dudes that lives in the basement. <laughs> it's a basement room for sure, right? Uh, like, he's I don't like know. that I... poor high school kid that gets, like, wants to <laughs> disassociate himself from his family, so he, like, carves out a weird niche in the basement. I love the so, characterization yes. of that type of person. I think he's got like a room with like a window. I thought there was a window, but maybe yeah, I, I, just, I did not see a window. I feel I bad for uh, <coughs> I feel bad for Will and Willow in that scene. Um, yeah, that was awful. Poor Will. Yep. Well, everybody's gonna remember that that time that they uh, tried to take Xander to bed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so another question, this kind of amusing question, but. Would Giles have gotten back together with Jenny Calendar if Amy hadn't cast a love spell? It feels like there's an almost an apology that happens where Jenny's trying to get things back together and it's interrupted really by the Xander love spell, right? Where Yeah, this episode Jenny returns and it really seems like she wants to like make things work and then it gets totally disrupted by the love spell. And I was going to say it's almost like like it's so it's such a weird comedic thing that like she comes back, but then just acts like a horny teen. Like when this should be like dramatic moments with like her and the rest of the gang. Cause she betrayed them. Oh, um, are they mad? Sorry. They're mad because Jenny had the whole gypsy thing. Right. And yeah. it turns out that she kind of knew about angel and Angelus. soul issue. Okay. Okay. So, because I never, did Giles like get angry or is it just kind of unspoken that he's like, oh, I've had it with you? Oh, no, there's uh, a couple he, of scenes where he totally rejects okay. Jenny, where mm-hmm. she's like, hey, guys, like she's part of the gang. And he's like, so, you know, we're not, we'll see you later. Uh, just us, please. Like, it's kind of yeah. less aggressive rejection, but it it's feels a little passive. aggressive. Like, but it's pretty cold. I mean, it's, it's cold is what it is. It's like yeah. Buffy's like, we don't need you. And Jenny like looks to Giles, and Giles is like, "You heard her." Ooh. It's like, um, yeah. oh, here's a question I had. Like after the the um, uh, Xander's room scene, he goes back to the school. Why? Like, <laughs> what kind of dummy? He knows there's a love spell, and people literally can't control themselves. And he's like, "I'm gonna walk this hallway one more time." Um, I mean, he does it to get to Giles, I assume, but like, <laughs> dumb decision. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't doesn't make him smarter, you know, like you're saying about Xander. Yeah, it doesn't make him smarter. Yeah. I'm sure he could have snuck into the library through the back way. Uh, other question, because then, like, he goes into the library, and before he can find Giles, Buffy walks in, like, wearing a, a coat and nothing else. And it's like, damn! But should she walk through the hallway like that? Because she entered through, like, the main library door. <laughs> I always assumed at this point that school was like done for the day and that it just chaos had ensued. <laughs> that, oh, all the classes are out, but people are just fighting in the hallway about Xander. Yeah, like I feel like <laughs> the bell rang, kids that were smart got out. 
Well, we know that the lunch lady's still there. I don't think she stays after. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I think she packs up after lunch. Oh yeah, yeah the that... principal of that school seems like he's phoning it in. I mean, if Buffy can walk <laughs> down the hallway in a trench coat and nothing. Yeah, else. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. That's really scandalous. Good call, Dennis. <laughs> Did you ever have a kid streak your high school? Did that ever happen? I'm sure. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe. That's. I'm sure that happened. There. I feel like that could have happened. Yeah, I remember um, it. Cody McFadden, man. They didn't let him whoa, graduate. First yeah. and last name. Wow. Yep. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the one of the kids in my high school sent um, chalk in the mail that he claimed was uh, ricin or whatever. So really? <laughs> remember when, or anthrax? He claimed it was anthrax. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember that kid's name, but. I had a kid, there was a kid in my high school, Hellgate High School, that had an affair with the gym teacher. He was underage, so I'm not going to expose him for, (laughs) but I know exactly his name too. Sorry. (laughs) Just a little, wow. (laughs) Hellgate, man. Place is messed up. (laughs) I I feel like that's happening in every high school. There's at least one affair. Just like there's uh, one kid that, you know, not one. There's like dozens of kids in every, you know, parish that are like get touched by the priest. It's like, ah, there's always one kid that's going to get caught up with a teacher at least. That's true. Yeah, Oakwood had a, yeah, not to help people, whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, let's let's stop playing this uh, first and last name game. (laughs) This is going to, the transcripts will be used later or something. Uh, so Buffy gets transformed into a rat. Um, and I think I've heard this, that Buff, that Sarah Michelle Gellar was hosting Saturday Night Live the week that this episode was filming. So that's why she gets transformed into a rat is to have less screen time so she can go and host oh, SNL. Oh, that's cool. That's oh, a good idea. Well, well done. I love, yeah. I love that scene. Yeah. I actually, I wrote this. I wish John were here to talk about Buffy the Rat fan fiction. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's some... There's goddess. Yeah. Um, and they do it by calling uh, the goddess Hecate, who is the Greek goddess um, associated with the crossroads, light, witchcraft, necromancy, and other creepy things. And um, unlike most Greek gods, she doesn't seem she doesn't seem to be in charge of like a specific domain. Um, and she doesn't have a Roman counterpart. Uh, but she's according to the Wikipedia page, she is firmly established as a figure in neo-paganism. Um, and there's a issue of Hellboy where Hellboy fights her. So there's oh, your cool. is, this, is that from the monster book that you're reading that one? Uh, no, this was just from Wikipedia and oh, cool. then me remembering uh, a Hellboy comic. Brad, thanks. Uh, so this is another observation. Uh, no one in history, as I feel like this, has ever calmed down because someone said calm down or chill. Never works. That's true. Because Andrew was trying to give you a little calm down. It, that would never work anyway. But uh, Yeah, regardless of spell. Yeah. Um, Good observation, Michael. It's oh, true. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, uh, but this, so speaking of fan fiction, though, uh, you know, about what John would suggest for Buffy the Rat, this whole episode feels like fan fiction. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. I think it's Xander's fan fiction at first. <laughs> Well, and like usually I think maybe because Buffy's so barely in this episode and when she is, she's possessed. So she's not really acting that much like herself. So she just, it doesn't feel like Buffy at all, you know? Um, Like maybe it's just usually we get more of her point of view, but she's such like um, a possessed object in this episode. Uh, Yeah, she never gets like, she never gets all hardcore and says we got to handle this she just kind of mm-hmm. she just gets naked yeah she just gets naked like a rat do you think she enjoyed being <laughs> a rat because even in the second season she's showing she's showing uh she's not loving always being the vampire slayer maybe it was her uh, fan fiction where like no one oh, she got to escape a rat i mean she still had uh slayer strength when she was a rat she was able to scare off that mouse um, so That's if true. she was a rat for too long, I mean that cat. So if she was a, a rat for too long, she probably would have had to taken up like um, rat slayer responsibilities and like, oh, defend probably. the school. Yeah, you know. responsibility never ends. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like an E.B. White book that just didn't get finished. <laughs> uh, Xander um, and the Joyce 
scene is probably the most effed up part of this episode for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Joyce. I don't know. This is another one where I don't understand. Neck. <laughs> like, it doesn't occur to Xander maybe that Joyce would be affected by the spell also, even though, like, everyone else is affected. Um, he just doesn't see it coming. Oh, man. Uh, that, that's one of my lines. I should have said, uh, Xander, honey, let Joycey in. <laughs> <laughs> Mash the window, yeah. <laughs> like awesome. for the door. Oh, yeah, here's another question: Is she recognizes Cordelia and like says Cordelia's name? When did they meet? When uh, did she meet Cordelia? I don't think Cordelia like comes over to the house on weekends. And I bet she out, hears you know? about her. You know, like oh. and then like, just, oh, was just able to. Cordelia. Yeah, was just yeah. able to immediately recognize her. Like, there's that tall, like woman hanging out with. Xander, that must be Cordelia. Yeah, I, think I feel it. like Cordelia's worked snacks on some of the parties that Buffy's been and her mom has been to, like the PTOE things. But you're right. Like, I, I mean, you know, Cordelia and Xander have definitely made out in that basement before, but Joyce was out of town at the time. Um, I like that you're tracking this because that wasn't an issue that bothered me at all. But I like that it's like, where was the scene where they met? <laughs> they didn't shake hands ever. Uh, I think Zan- I think um, Oz is really great in this episode. Like, you know, he punches Xander and then is immediately like helps pick him up. Like he, and it's another episode where like nobody properly explains to Oz what's going on. They're like, help us catch the Buffy rat, but they're not like everybody's been like inspelled by Amy the Witch. Like he totally they- just, just rolls with it all the time. He's so chill. Yeah, <laughs> he's so chill. Uh, he might yeah, be my need, favorite like Buffy that. character ever. Oh. Uh, I love Oz. Well, he's definitely great in this episode. I totally agree. It was a lot of fun to watch him. Yeah. Um, last observation. It's good to see, you know, another male character who's not Xander. And that way, like, like too much teenage stuff gets trapped on just Xander because he's, like, just, he's, like, the only teenage boy. So it's good to see, like, we need more, just so it's not all Xander. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Xander's adolescence experience. It's a little intense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe this is like more of a question than an observation, but the last scene here, we're like, um, moving on to the last scene. Uh, Xander is basically, Buffy tells Xander he's a good friend because he didn't rape her when he could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is not untrue. <laughs> yeah, it's not untrue. It just felt like, like, hey, you are a good friend. Hey, you proved it. Yeah, I think. What did she say? Like, there's some, there's some hope for you, right? Or it's like, it's not. uh, You're totally great, but it's like you're not the worst. Yeah, some people would be much worst. I guess, like, like, all things considered, in the story, like she was basically raped by Angel in some ways. It's considering the way that he turned on her so intensely that, like, her expectations of men are of men are super low. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sorry, sorry to go back a little. We just skipped over Willow running around with an axe. Um, oh, please, yeah, let's go back. <laughs> just I like Willow running around with an axe, and <laughs> her and Harmony. Harmony also has a large role this episode. Kind of like wrestle over the axe at one point. Um, I wrote down in my notes that I think Harmony is like all of the meanness of Cordelia with none of her charm. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Harmony. Yeah. yeah, I love that little arc that Cordelia has where she learns that she doesn't have to do everything that Cordelia wants her to do because Cordelia's an idiot. Like in Har- her, Harmony. Harmony. Oh, Harmony. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cordelia, because Harmony has to do because Harmony's perception changes so frequently and we see her change so radically because of the potion or whatever. The yeah. Magic. And so it's like the totally undermines her credibility to Cordelia, who is not affected by the spell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, Harmony is like, I'm not sheep. I just think that's an okay line. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't d- deserve to be in the, the front of the episode. But uh, Mary, do you have any other observations or Dennis before we move on to questions? No, let's uh, move on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dennis. You have some observations. I'm not very observant. Uh, oh, another good line is uh, when Angel attacks... Xander and then is defended by Cordelia. He goes, it doesn't amuse to, um, I mean, sorry, to Drusilla, not Cordelia. Um, but then like when Drew gets all on Xander, uh, Angel steps back, but he like steps back, but is still in frame. So it's just like this really awkward, like 
he should have just faded like Batman style out, but instead, like he, you just see him walking <laughs> backwards for too long. <laughs> oh, weird! Oh, I'm gonna have to go I, back I and watch it. All. Yeah, it didn't seem nothing about that scene seemed strange. It was just a delightful scene to see. Yeah, Drusilla caught up in this stuff too. Drusilla, yeah, affected by the love potion, totally. I mean, she's already nuts, but she. Um, we talk a lot in this uh, in the show about like people saying daddy. And then she does the opposite. She says, like, mommy, right? She's like, mommy's here. <laughs> oh, she totally does. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, and then thematically, like, when just that Cordelia and uh, uh, Xander end up back in the basement defending themselves, the same basement they made out for, made out in the first time, for the first time at. Uh, so it ends where it all begins. Oh, that's really sweet. They didn't talk about that previous time they spent in the basement. It would have been nice. Yeah. Remember the last time we were holding this door from something trying to kill us? <laughs> it was bugs then. Now it's girls. Wow. That is funny. There's only so many like kind of setups in the Buffy universe. Yeah. That's sad that they've made out in Buffy's basement. That's not even a finished basement. I mean, it's just like the <laughs> saddest little basement ever. Just a thought. It's where a lot of this high school stuff happens. A lot of your yeah. early intimacy is in a basement, yes. uh, a car. And yeah, a lot of, yeah. You, you can't choose where you're first making out with a person is. It just <laughs> it happens spontaneously. in an unfinished basement. I wish. That sounds That's great. all I know. <laughs> I know I mean, one maybe... thing about love. <laughs> I had a very normal, I mean, despite going to Hellgate, I never got stuck in someone's unfinished basement making out. I can tell you that right now. Well, you've had a higher standard. <laughs> I, I don't think I did. I just <laughs> <laughs> to me, if it's not a dirt floor, then it's a finished basement. I'm like, that's Baby, a pretty good Baby, I am basement. from Montana. That seems like a pretty solid definition. Uh, so let's move on to questions here. Um, my first question, did you ever give a lady a gift in high school? I guess or a gentleman. And was it lame? As lame as a little locket. Mm. Uh, and I want to volunteer and say, yes, I did give a girl a pair of earrings that I selected randomly, not understanding earrings at all. And uh, they were received like, oh, that's nice. But not like you understand me or my taste or anything. It was just like, oh, that was random. Were you yeah. nervous? Was it someone you cared for deeply? Yeah, deeply. I don't know. I mean, how... Things get really deep when you're, you know, 14. So I don't know. But, Did you feel nervous giving this person the earrings? No, it just seemed like a transactional, like, <laughs> you're like here. You're great. Here. Cool, cool. <laughs> I got a tip for you. <laughs> uh, I think I might have given a couple dumb things, but I don't, nothing like, I never really gave jewelry. I'm not a, I've always avoided jewelry because I just don't know enough about it to, uh, make that make those kind of decisions um jewelry is really hard i you have to like basically just pay close attention when someone says oh i like this mm-hmm. you're like oh that mm-hmm. very specific style okay i'm gonna actually i will literally write this down because i'm not gonna remember <laughs> this I somebody don't told I've me i've ever given anyone jewelry but i have made somebody many... told me that like women always like you can tell us if a guy bought a woman jewelry if it's heart shaped because like women will never buy their own hearts right? <laughs> that totally sounds right yeah that sounds right i don't think i've ever been given heart jewelry ever i think people in general like i mean i say people in general i know my wife likes more abstract jewelry but like the only time i've really felt like i understood jewelry was like um at the in spain there's the Salvador dali museum and then they have like an adjacent museum you have to pay extra for that's all of the like fancy jewelry he designed and it was like the first time I really felt like I understood jewelry because I was like, oh, it's making art with really expensive material. Like, and he was doing like the dolly stuff. So it was like dripping elephants with like ruby blood or whatever. Cool. You know, it was really cool. But it was like the first time I was like, oh, that's why people like jewelry. It's like, did you design something uh, exhumed his body and his mustache was perfect? I did, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. His, um, I, I I didn't read the articles or anything, but in the Dali Museum in Spain, like one of the rooms you go to is his like mausoleum. Like 
It's in the really? museum. Yeah, because he it used to be the museum used to be his home or something. He designed it. He designed it yeah, I think I've read with a plan like of how it would work. Yeah. And it's a crazy like big spirally thing, like multi-level spirals. It's like my favorite museum probably. It sounds pretty cool. It's a recommendation for this week. Yeah. Noted. Also the Dali Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a book to, instead? Will that work? No, it's not the same. <laughs> you got to go to the museum. They got a whole room that's just one of his paintings. You can see his bedroom. He's got a uh, spray-painted gold chimp skeleton. Amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, Michael, I never gave a present like jewelry, but I did make very like several mixtapes for cute boys in high school. I was nice. dedicated to the mixtape. And can you give us a like a one track that might be on that mixtape? One artist, often Beastie Boys. Um, wow, you're I like made, you're pretty cool, pretty cool girl. Well, I don't know. Uh, my mixtapes are really weird, so I would also like I had all of those, uh, you know, those tapes like when you when you hear the chime, turn the page. And I had uh, nice. I can see where it's going. Yeah, so I would put songs on, but then I would do these really weird snippets of like Winnie the Pooh, or um, I had one that was uh, Luke Skywalker, and I would just add like, and I would even stop the song in the middle, and I would put that stuff in and just. So not mixed like DJ mixed. It wasn't like you know the song faded out. It was just like no, hard definitely not. Winnie the Pooh sound back yeah. to the track. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I put Mike on there a lot too. Who is your friend, Mike, in Germany, who, like, he had made, like, a mixtape, and he played it for us, and it was, like, the same song twice? And he's, like, because the first time, you're not really paying enough attention to it. Do you remember that? Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do play first name, last name, but, yeah, I remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to. I just, no, no, that I just, just reminded me of that. Mary's, um, Mary's all about, like, who's that? You know, just dropping names. I'm gonna just, I said uh, one name. One. One. <laughs> and he definitely never listens to podcasts. Okay, I'm going to bleep the name anyway later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just for my own safe sanity. I don't want to set a precedent of first name, last name. <laughs> and it was like, I just, it was like a Captain Beefheart track or something. I was like, are we really going to listen to this twice? It was weird. Now I want to listen to that was Captain a weird trip. Yeah. Um, so I have my next question here, unless anyone else would like a question. Uh, Cordelia gets called out by her friends because she's dating someone unacceptable to her clique. Have you ever dated outside, so far outside your clique, that people were mean to you about it? This may be a tough one. I have. So, do, who did you date? Who was how far outside? Like just from another school? Um, he was much older oh. than me, and he was an art student at the university and the reason my friends were unkind was because he wore quote unquote awful pants. So I don't know if it was because he was older, <laughs> but he wore, I think the, being older is a bigger deal than pants. He wasn't, I mean, it was just, I think I was 17 and maybe he was 21. Maybe. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. that's a big difference. But your friends like, were like, we'll talk to you when this is over. Yeah. Yeah, and then they were like, and he's got to get rid of the pants. Because he would wear those uh, 1980s kind of pleated pants. I guess 1990s. I don't know. I had no issue with the pants. It was a nice but this guy. was the 90s. It was the 90s. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Uh, I mean, in high school, I didn't date that much in high school. But uh, definitely, like, every time you date someone in high school, it feels like this happens. You alienate someone because of how people like or don't like you. I probably got more in, in more trouble with people by not dating people is how it felt like mm -hmm. where, you know, like girls like you and you're like, meh. And they're like, what? You know, and like, <laughs> really made, like 20 people that were <laughs> rooting for that person it. to like you. And that yeah. was really, uh, that was really crazy. And then in college, it got crazier to me because you know, there's all sorts of weird clicks within departments, you know, like you see the same sorts of people most of the time, like whether you're in dance or English or it's, you know, et cetera, whatever that like dating there felt like it was very, you could like alienate tons of people really quickly. So yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I, it just, it just struck me because I feel like all dating, all those choices you make about a relationship, like I want this, like you're alienating some group of people. It's so rare. Like 
you know, and I'm going to brag about my wife, but you know, like when we met, people were like, oh, you guys are perfect for, like, it was just a universal acceptance that like, oh yeah, you guys, that'd be great. Yeah. Or at least that's what I heard. You know, I don't know the truth. I know I said it when I found out you guys were married. Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm at their house. It's there. Explains why they live together. <laughs> yeah. And- Oh, sorry. Sorry. You ever alienate anyone, Dennis? Dennis, uh, his microphone. Oh, no. No comment. No comment. No comment. (laughs) I didn't realize we were waiting for me to talk. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So, uh, next one here. So, this episode takes place on Valentine's Day. How do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day is pretty lame. Yeah, it's not a thing. I feel like it's a thing in high school. Like all the holidays are kind of more meaningful in high school because you're just around people all the time. But like once you're an adult, like they're like, I never celebrate that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure to be like Valentine's Day things. A lot of pressure. It's this like, hey, there's a special dinner deal. But yeah. They're usually at restaurants you don't like anyway, so. Yeah, we don't, we don't do anything. Like, uh, as, a, as a person with a spouse, we do not do anything. But my kids, it's huge for the kids, and they make the Valentines. Sam got his first, like, call from the teacher to the house on Valentine's Day because of bad behavior, so he clearly doesn't like Valentine's Day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher called him. <laughs> yeah, she called me. And and a note got sent home, and Sam got kicked out of class. And it was all because of writing prompt. He had to write a Valentine, and they had written the words on the board. And they wanted Sam to say, like, he to anyone, dear so and so, something loving. I love you, love Sam. Like he wouldn't write that, so he wrote, dear no one, I do not love you, love Sam. <laughs> if he doesn't love no one, then he loves everybody. So, I thought it was uh, a pretty good Valentine, and the well, teacher I'm, was. I've like, definitely gotten in trouble in like... school on Valentine's Day, uh, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> I was, yeah. Valentine's Day is bogus, though. Sam already knows. Although uh, there is some, like um, earlier this early in the episode, Cordelia is like Valentine's Day is a scam, and like. Um, my mom used to own like a plant shop and flower store and like Valentine's day was like, that's a big earning oh, day. Yeah. If you're in the, in the flower like, shop industry, flower business. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So it's like, I, I mean, it might be a scam, but that's how people make their living, yeah. man. Got to sell those roses. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I say Valentine's day is a scam. I do get, usually get flowers. <laughs> you can't escape that. That is kind of inevitable. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But personally, I think I'm usually, single on valentine's day so i don't do anything that's okay i haven't There's been single in a really long line. time and i don't do anything i think we're even like a little bit mean to each other on valentine's day because eff it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hey dingus happy valentine's day i'm sorry <laughs> uh so taking so in the episode xander takes back a gift which is extremely gauche have you ever yeah. attempted to take back a gift oh that's a good question I don't think so. I, this is feeling like a truth or dare episode with some of these questions. Yeah. <laughs> and if you uh, this question, I feel like man, I, I one time lended some lent somebody a book that I wanted back and it they never gave it back. And it was like over and then we kind of broke up and I was like, I want that book back because it was um a book my uncle wrote and I only had the one copy. And it was like over years of like next time I would go visit Indiana, I'd be like, Can I get my copy of my book back? And they'd still never like bring it back i still don't have it oh man uh, that reminds so. me of a podcast when i join the slack i'll tell you all about it <laughs> okay don't tell us about it now i'm not going to it takes too long oh, okay i have some social cues <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh i definitely gave someone a book also dennis a girl and it was like a really nice edition of uh what women's leaves of grass and then i asked for it back and uh <laughs> I think I was like, oh, that was too nice. I fucked up. <laughs> For, Did she uh, give it back? Yeah. yeah she was like, oh, I thought you gave that to me. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. awkward. 
To my knowledge, I've never asked for anything back. No, it's not Elizabeth. Because okay. it's her book now, anyway. Yeah, yes, technically everything is hers, right? But uh, yeah, this okay. was in high school. I once gave someone my My Little Pony, and I stole it back. But that wasn't like a romantic relationship. That was my neighbor. She well, took that's, my rainbow braid. There's an acceptable amount of stealing that's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyone else have any questions? Uh, those, that's the only ones I got here from this one. I can't think of anything right now. Uh, I feel like I accidentally asked my questions during the observations, so it's fine. Cool. Like, what's yeah. the deal with the lunch lady? Um, yeah, just like, yeah, throwing back to observations. That moment when Xander walks down the hallway and every all the girls are, like, excited about him and the guys don't care or, like, kind of aggressive is amazing. That's a wonderful scene. That's, like, yeah. the animated gif for this episode should be that scene. <laughs> And I know people say GIF, but I say GIF. Uh, and then, uh, so for themes or deep stuff. I'm outnumbered stuff, in this podcast. <laughs> uh, does anyone have anything for themes or deep stuff to get into? Um, I, I just had this note about like, um, I feel like this is an unusual episode in terms of how much the male gaze exists and how sexualized Buffy is. Um, and like, usually Buffy is dressed very attractively, but I don't feel like the camera usually gazes her um and i think part of that is that it's usually her point of view more like more than us as the observers but there's something about this because it's a hypnosis episode or whatever a magic spell um and it's such a xander point of view episode there's something like uh unsettling about like doing this to the main character of of the show like um just how sexualized she is so is my theme or deep stuff yeah, in season two, is she a junior or a sophomore? Uh, she's a junior. Okay. Yeah, yeah it is really, like, really alienating to see Buffy uh, go after Xander like she does. Yeah. And usually I feel like her sexuality is her own power, you know, but this is like, it's the nature of a love spell that this power is then taken away from her. Yeah, the male gaze is pretty intense in this one. That's a, that's a good point about a show that you feels fairly sex positive and then has these weird negative ones. But I think they kind of like, they make, they make sense of it by inverting the fantasy of male wish fulfillment of like everyone loving you with them turning yeah. on Xander. It's the careful what you wish for yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, it's a really, yeah, it's one of those. Like uh, liar, liar or uh, blank check, you know. <laughs> So your your uh, go-to references for that <laughs> ah, for wish fulfillment fantasies right liar liar it's like whatever you know the, yeah. the wish that he can't tell a lie right and then which, I, that, that's a very popular and important one and then blank check wish for money there aren't a lot of bones that wish for sex I was thinking like uh, you know this is in recommendations it's not my real recommendation but what women want is a bit of this as well I liked that movie Gibson's great in that one. Yeah. Hear what women really want. Yeah. They want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I remember from that movie. Um, for I Xander, don't think I ever saw that. Xander makes the wish that Cordelia falls, is madly in love with him. And the reason that doesn't work, if I'm correct, is because Cordelia does love him. Right? Or uh, I don't think they ever explain why it goes wrong. But I think for Xander, he has really low self-esteem and all he really wants, he doesn't want every girl in school to be in love with him or chase after him. But I think what he really wanted was just to be liked, like to feel like, because he basically says weird stuff to girls all day long and they roll their eyes and they're like, oh my God, you know, they're like, Xander's the worst. (laughs) the worst just totally literally the worst so i think that this this thing came true for him the way it was supposed to which was that it's not it's not all you want that every girl is gonna want all your attention all the time i'm gonna add this to my predictions cordelia is immune to spells and magic because like (sighs) i don't feel like she's ever been the victim of any of these spells it just rebounded no, everything like you know, even the Halloween episode. She's just Cordelia, you know. She's just like, oh, That's what's this? True. She's yeah. like, and her character is the most fun when it's like 
you know, her being herself. I feel like this show doesn't want her to be the victim of any of spell. Although she, I mean, season one Cordelia is often the victim. She gets like bit by like a snake. She gets blinded, right? She gets her face cut by a invisible girl. Invisible girl. Oh, the blinded. How'd she be kept blind? Uh, by Amy the witch when it was her mom. She gets blinded while driving, mm-hmm. while doing her uh, driving test. I remember okay, that. Okay, this, oh, yeah. this prediction's already... I, okay. I, Although, season one is like... I feel like season one is barely even canon. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, with that advice, I will say Cordelia is immune to spells and magic from season two on. <laughs> cool. Noted. Uh, any other themes or deep stuff from this episode that we want to get into? Um, oh, uh, it's not really deep, but like, if like some high school witch can turn the Slayer into a rat, just like that, like, what's the point of a Slayer? Like, how is a Slayer going to defeat the world if like somebody who's a self-taught witch for like one year can like rat her, you know? That's a, that's an issue. Maybe because she was already under the, the weird spell of lusting over Xander, she didn't have her, you know, her, um, what's the word? Her instincts. Her super or her, slayer like, instincts. Yeah. Yeah. She could have dodged. She could have dodged. Uh, when Amy the Witch, as her mom tries to blast her in season one, she uses a mirror to reflect it, right? Yeah, she totally dodges that. Sees it coming. Yeah, I think it's because she All was right. already under the love spell. Yeah, she's too busy thinking about old x-man yeah yeah by that does this episode not feel like it's full of deep things it's super not deep it's the valentine's day episode it doesn't lead anywhere i don't think it like changes the direction of where any of the characters are going yeah it doesn't feel like it moves the story at all it's just like this weird could have been in season one episode of uh Xander getting what he wants, and then yeah, it's like what you you don't really want that. But I don't think it's going to change Xander's sexuality. I think it's still going to be annoying. I don't think he's learned anything. Like, learned <laughs> yeah, no, lesson, I think he learned except zero. Literally yeah. not yeah. to cast love spells. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I, there's which no, he should have. Like, he should. I mean, obviously, there's even that line of like, you're not a fool enough to do this because I'm twice the fool it takes to do this. But like, I mean, he really should know not to cast spells on the Hellmouth, right? Like, <laughs> like. By this point, the shit that they've seen happen, like, he should really know better. But he doesn't, because, like, he needs to be that dumb for plot reasons. Yeah, he literally could have had all his friends killed, also could have fucked all his friends, and then, to what end? Like, like it just (laughs) literally... To what end? I mean... (laughs) I don't know. It's like Xander's really selfish, and it's like he deserves all of the terrible things that happen. Like, if he was killed off by this episode, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. But they decided, <laughs> and uh, he's not going to pay any consequences for this, though. I will get into predictions later, but I think people will remember this time. Yeah, that started sounding people like People are going to remember the great Rufy. <laughs> I mean, there's no yeah. way to forget this. And there is kind of that funny thing of, like, Buffy and Willow clearly remember, but they're like, uh, Joyce doesn't really remember, like... Uh, they don't even have to explain it. They're just like characters that need that should remember do, and those that shouldn't don't. Yeah, TV. Maybe Joyce just had to go into denial. She's like, I think I remember what I did, but that can't be right. <laughs> that can't be right. He's a no. boy. <laughs> so what's special about the themes and deep stuff for the episode is there's not that much going on yes. here because it's a Xander focused episode that could have been season one. Uh, so let's move on then to uh, Dennis's kill count or should I do predictions? That's my predictions. I predict right. that people are going to remember this that time they were in love with Xander specifically as Dennis has already stated those people will be uh, Buffy and Willow <laughs> and no one else is going to remember this even though I most won an episode where Joyce remembers this that will not happen unfortunately. Though it would be amazing it's not going to happen. Um, Cordelia will be immune from spells to, and magic from this point on, not affected by them. Uh, and I had one more earlier and I didn't write it down. We were talking about it. Do you guys remember that one? 
making a face. Shit. I'll have to listen back and then put my... Okay, and then I'm going to say the other one. And awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's get into kill count and recommendations. All right. Uh, one vampire gets staked. That is the kill count. A lot of humans like form a mob, but nobody dies. Uh, all right. My recommendations, um, I recommend the movie Witches, uh, which has a witch turning somebody into a mouse. Um, and, you know, you, you've probably seen this movie as a kid, but you might not remember it very well, and it really holds up. Uh, it's directed by uh, Nicholas Rogue. Um, it's a Jim Henson movie, and it's got Angelica Houston, and it's got Rowan Atkinson. Um, like, And it's really, it's like, Nicholas Rogue is probably one of my favorite directors. He also did... Um, don't look now. Um, and it's really like, it's a kid's movie that's way creepier than most kids movies. Um, so if you haven't seen it in a while, I recommend seeing it again. Um, I also recommend the movie Suspiria, which is a really good, uh, witch movie set in a school. Um, and I recommend the movie Svengali, uh, which is a 1931 movie starring John Barrymore, where a hypnotist has the ability to make people fall in love, but it's not real. There's even a line where he's like, he makes her say like, I love you. And he goes, it's just Svengali talking to Svengali. Um, and I recommend uh, the French comic called Beauty that um, has like an ugly woman gets a wish from a fairy and it's to be like the most beautiful person in the world. And it's like, um, you know, the same kind of story of like, be careful what you wish for. She ends up causing like a number of like major wars, but it's one of those like it's a real the comic lives up to its name. It's such a beautiful comic, like both the coloring's great and like the illustration, and it's just one of those comics I go back to a lot to look at stuff a lot to like try to steal stuff from. So those are my recs. Maybe Teen Witch though. You didn't say Teen Witch, which surprised me because she is both <laughs> uses her powers to escalate her status and make people fall in love with her and. Yeah. All right. That can be your wreck, Teen Witch. I know it's got that great uh, rapping number. Um, yeah. I'm for that alone. Man, I don't know Teen Witch at all. Uh, I, which is how uh, that holds up, we though. Sh- we should totally, in this podcast, play a bit of the rapping number. Like, yeah, clip that really in. Good. Okay. I'll play Beat a bit that. of that rapping Beat number that. now. I would probably put that on a mixtape. I feel like you've recommended Suspiria before, but this was... I might have. I think it's the first time since season two I've been doing the... I've been effectively uh, categorizing and logging your uh, recommendations since uh, season two, but yeah, maybe you've recommended Suspiria before. That feels like when we... Or maybe we just talked about it. Things being like... Yeah, I was originally... I originally had a much longer list, and then I was like, there's going to be more... I mean crap i mean they're like there's you know they're they're i'm not gonna blow my entire magic load (laughs) on this one episode there'll be more magic that i can like recommend more witch stories speaking Um, of horror movie recommendations i saw mouth of madness this weekend that is amazing i'd never seen that one with sam neill highly recommended john carpenter that was a blast yeah i want to talk about that movie with somebody (laughs) no one's seen it no one wants to watch it yeah i've never seen it that's all right it's on hulu it's good it's like Carpenter doing like um, Lovecraft, basically, and it's got creepy, t- weird shit going on. And yeah, it's a mess. Sam Neill's great. I still need to see Ginger Snaps. That seems like the most on the nose one that most people are most excited for. So I'll see that before next episode. That's like then there's like three of those Ginger Snaps movies. <laughs> Mary there Michelle. are yeah. You only really need to see the first one, but if you like the first one. Second two are okay. Keep going. But. Keep going. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just got like a Kindle fire and it's been great for watching movies in bed. I didn't have that option before, but it's right. uh, nice. It's yeah. pretty rad. Watching movies on your phone sucks. It's, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. That's for kids. Totally. <laughs> if they're allowed to have telephones. <laughs> yeah. Telephones. It's for kids whose parents don't know you can watch movies on your phone. Yes. That's exactly what it is. So uh, we're reaching the end of the episode here. So of course, we want to remind people about our Facebook page, Buffy Virgin. Go there, like us, review this podcast on iTunes. Go to BuffyVirgin.com, click around. You'll see our amazing Instagram, Buffy Virgin. Twitter, Buffy Virgin Pod. Uh, and I'll 
We're all working hard on the upcoming Buffy Virgin zine. That'll be really exciting when that happens. Mm. I don't know what's going to be in it. We're going to figure that out. And then uh, Dennis at Dennis Comics, DennisComics.com. That's one N and X for comics. And then uh, Mary, do you have anything to plug? I don't know. Do I have anything to plug? Um, no. If anyone in Portland's looking for a preschool, I'm opening one at Jenkins Estate. <laughs> cool. So Mary wins for the most random, uh, random promotional thing. Uh, she's opening a preschool. You yeah. asked me if I had anything to promote. I was like, well, at work, we've been talking about this one a lot. That's We're expanding cool. Nature Kids Preschool, Michael. It's a huge deal. If you cool. have a three-year-old. Yeah, I'm cool. going to skip this one. <laughs> hey, so Dennis, uh, do you uh, have any comics you're working on that we should hear and know about? Um, I'm working on a comic I want to uh, get out in a collection um, by October to try to get it out for Halloween. But um, yeah, I'm working on it. It'll be fun. Um, I'm going to be selling comics August 12th at the uh, Schultz uh, Museum in Santa Rosa. Uh, we're doing like, um, it's the 15th anniversary of the museum and Jeff Smith creator of bone is going to be there. So we're doing like a little mini con. So I'll be there, uh, with my old stuff. I'm not going to put it, put anything new out, uh, by then, but cool. Jeff Smith is from Ohio. That's great. Yeah. Um, cool. It's true. <laughs> it's true and boring information. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Um, all right. I know that you're starting a Patreon soon. I'm sure we'll announce that all over this podcast since you're the main sponsor. So uh, (laughs) thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.